But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name's Cody Ryan. You're listening to Erotica. We are better than BuzzFeed, but worse than Apollo Creed. I'm here with my always co-host, uh, Bobby. How are you doing today, Bobby? We just sat there in silence for a half hour while you decided how to start the podcast, and that was how you... We're better. went for it. We're worse than BuzzFeed, but better than Apollo Creed? No, we're better than BuzzFeed, but worse than Apollo Creed. So, are we starting from the premise here that Apollo Creed is for sure better than BuzzFeed? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm doing okay, Cody. Whatever. The weather's finally turning from summer to fall. It's starting to be, you know, personality season. Horrible. You can start wearing jackets and shit like that. You can so. wear jackets in the summer. You no, can you just, can't. You're just a coward. You can't. Nah, I guess you can do anything, but it just would be ridiculous. Wrong, wrong city. People would think that you're a crazy person. It's beautiful in LA. Your favorite city. Anyway, <sighs> um, no, so I guess we should really address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is that the decade is ending. It's which true. is kind of weird to think about in any sense. Um, and there's a lot of... You know, things that I think about the turn of decades. I mean, the biggest thing, obviously, was, like, my first turn of the decade was Y2K, I guess. Yeah, now Y2K20 is coming up, so. Yeah, so All now the technology is going to Double down. itself. Double itself? Yeah, because now it's 2020. It's going to get confused and think it's <laughs> it's time too. I don't know. My my work is working around the clock because they think everything's going to shut down at midnight 2020. We just they, assume we're going to come in and everything's going to be twice as awesome. We programmed everything to, you know, only count up to 2020. We thought everything would be over by then, probably. Uh, every bond. We don't let anyone book any trades with bonds that are, you know, past the year 2020. Yeah. So, um, do you have the same thing, I'm assuming? Well, it sounds like you have all your bases covered. But, um, no, we were looking at our systems and basically... We set our systems every time it sees a 20, um, that means to book revenue. So now when it sees 2020, it's just going to book double revenue. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We just get free double money and it's not like our fault. So like, what's the, the, like, you know, fucking auditor is going to do about it. I feel like next year is going to be pretty incredible for general decision making because hindsight is 2020. You're an asshole. You know what? Even your hindsight's twenty twenty. Not everybody bats a thousand when they know the pitch. Okay. But if they had better eyesight, they might. Have you ever watched any home run derby? Yes. They hit the. No one swings and misses. That's not true. Yes, Some, it is. People have swung and missed in the home run derby. No one before. has ever swung swung and missed in a home run derby. No, what are you talking that about? is not true. Somebody looked that up, and we need to get an intern or some shit. That should Tony should be doing that, but he's Tony doesn't do anything. Why aren't <laughs> What's we like the last thing Tony did? I don't know. Why aren't we like some other shitty like podcasts like that 
may or may not, you know, talk about basketball to have interns for some reason. I don't know. I'm super fucking broke right now, dude. I could really use, like... Just free labor, slavery? Well, no. I mean, I could use, like... Some money? Enough, enough listeners that we have, like, a sponsorship that would allow us to also have an intern. That would be nice. Why do we need sponsors that have an this intern? This is why we need Hoodie Allen. This is why we need why, what do you mean? Wait, what do you mean why do we need sponsors to have an intern? So we can pay them. That's not what an intern is. You can pay interns. You can. You don't have to. We would. Why would we do that? I don't know. You think the RTRS guys are paying their intern? I don't understand why you... You got a bunch of good interactions for making fun of Spike Eskin, and now you're just all, all in on start, trying to start a feud again. There, no, no one listens to this that would actually, like... Get back this. He doesn't care. He might. He doesn't fucking care. Seems Everyone... like he gets mad like a lot. It's his thing now. It's just what he's trying to do. I don't know. You don't write articles like that and shove it down people's throat unless you're just trying to get people mad. Like, I don't understand it. Well, I do, but that's because I just need people to read them because I don't have a platform. <laughs> yeah, but he has 50,000 followers. That's true. So well, the fact that like his tweets combined didn't equal 100 likes is kind of pathetic. Well, what I'm saying is that we need a sponsor to pay us. Well, it's not going to be then, them. And then... That, it's not going to be WIP. I'm not saying that it would be. Why would you Why would you make that leap? I'm just saying I can still say fuck them. I'm, all I'm saying is that we need sponsors to pay us, and then we can pay an intern. And the way that we have to do that is everyone needs to tweet at Hoodie Allen to come on Neurotica. He has, like, an army of devoted fans. I just find it weird that you think that's the only way. It's the most expedient way. How else would you like to do it? Do you want to have... Do some research on how podcasts get sponsors in the first place? Do you want to have a heated gaming, gaming moment? And... No, I'm pretty sure there's websites you can sign up. Those are our two options. There are signs. Hoodie Allen, heated gaming moment. All right. Do one. I'm... Hoodie Allen. I'm... That's what I'm saying. No, heating gaming moment. Do one. No. I'd choose the Hoodie Allen route. So you're saying from this moment forward, you're not going to say any more slurs? Not on mic. So you will say slurs off mic? Yeah, well, I'll say them on Xbox Live mic, not on the pod or on Twitch or anything. Not, nowhere they can be traced so back So nowhere they can actually get you famous and like advance your life. I well, have I, to do a heating game moment. This is why I am choosing the get Hoodie Allen on route and not the heated gaming moment route. I can't wait till Hoodie it's Allen more listens line, to this and he's endeared to come on. It's more in line with my values. Great. This has nothing to do with what we were going to talk about today. Do you think Hoodie Allen ever thought about changing his name? To what? I don't... Like how uh, the shrillest on Twitter used to be Shrill Cosby. And then everyone was like, oh, he's a big time rapist. So he changed it. Do you think Hoodie Allen was ever like, oh, fuck, Woody Allen, like, abused... It? His kids and married his stepdaughter. Like, maybe I'll change it to, like, the hoodest. The hoodest? I don't know. That's, that's what Shrill did. But that worked. Why? I don't know. It just did. Some I, things just work. What you just said didn't work, and you know it didn't work. I don't know that. As soon as you said it, it was just awful. Everybody got upset. People turned off our podcast. We're talking to no one now because of what you just said. You should feel ashamed of yourself. Well, there's Thrillist. There was the Gothamist. Maybe he can be the Hoodist. Think about what you're saying. Tweeted Hoodie Allen to come on Neurotica. 
I don't think he likes me. What? Because if he does, he's going to listen. If he does have any interest going on, he would listen to the episode where we mention him the most. And I, how would we? How would he find out about that? You just told everybody tweeted him. So what the fuck? When are they going to do it? After this episode posts, they're going to be like, hey, how do you listen to this? You're a devoted fan. Maybe. I don't really see what the issue is. All right, tweet I it like Hoodie Allen. Allen. Come on, Neurotica. He's apparently got nothing else Your to refusal do. to participate in bits that are not at my expense is infuriating. That's the whole... That's the longer play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winning at this. <laughs> the, fa- the fact that you can't beat me in any manner is beautiful to me. Bobby's just banging his head against the mic. I don't know what the hell that's going to sound like, but fair enough. Anyway, yeah, tweet at Hoodie Allen. Come on the show. Um, we'll remind you at the end. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Pitchfork put out a, an article recently. Where did Hoodie Allen's album fall on the top 200 albums of the last decade? I didn't do a control F for him, but I feel like if I saw it on there, I would have remembered. So yeah. I don't think it was on there. All yeah. American was really good. Maybe it should have been on there. This is pretty it's good. Better album. than Blonde by Frank Ocean. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm right. You know it. I'm right. How are you right? Is the number one album. I know. I disagree but, with that. But let's talk about it. So, I disagree with the premise of a list in general if it's ever just like, here are the top things of anything. Because it doesn't make any sense. And today, what we really want to talk about is the fact that, like, Mentally, somebody sat down and, like, jumped through a lot of hoops in, like, understanding and research to try to, like, fit this neat package of something that is just so subjective and doesn't work. That we were, like, even talking, you'd be better off just going for a more extreme route and saying, instead of putting an arbitrary number of, like, here's them, like, 200 albums that are most influential or here's, you know, to even 20, like, you know, pare it down or whatever number you want. It would have been just more exciting to read an article. It's just like, here are the only albums that mattered in the last decade. I'd rather read that article. Like, somebody defending, like, the importance of just a few albums instead of mini blurbs about 200 albums that some of them I've heard of for the first time while reading the list. Well, I have two separate thoughts on this. The first is I think that like this sort of thing like the top 200 albums like ranked in order it's sort of what that person was getting at when they tweeted that like any communist movement should you know eliminate measurement measuring shit sure like i'm pretty sure that that actually comes from some sort of leftist theory about taking things that are subjective and trying to make them objective and kind of robbing them of their magic or whatever. I I think that like this kind of thing is actually what that person was talking about and is actually like a useful example of that. Um, But they were obviously insane because they were saying that just completely measuring anything should be illegal. And so you shouldn't be able to, you know, as uh, old lens on Twitter said, you shouldn't be able to know exactly how much morphine you're giving a, yeah. a patient in a hospital. I think we talked about that a little bit before. I know, but, but this I, but this is an example yeah, that's actually like, like 
where the point actually makes sense. Yeah, because it's just so arbitrary. It's either, like, when you get to 200, like, my first thought was just like, alright, what was a good album? And everybody just goes, Blonde was a good album. Ooh, yeah, that was a really good... And then they could have done some kind of, like, bracket system, voting system, elimination system, you know. I don't fucking care how you did it. None of it matters. Literally, every single year, there's an end-of-year list. Every single year, you know, I have to read, like, what was the most influential thing. Now it's a decade, so what was the most influential thing of a decade? And, like, 80 years will be, you know, like, of the century. And these things keep happening, but, like, Bobby and I, like, we're talking about it, it's like, those things are nice to have in the sense of, like, hey, here's what some person who's more in the know thinks for the year, and then we can kind of work off of it and say, like, oh, well, then maybe I will listen to some of these albums that I missed that, you know, somebody would highly regard. But just the idea that you think that you could mentally come up with, you know, the the list, you know, I think it's it works better when you're more of, like, specific of like this year you know this person was the best rapper which is something that they did on complex and it's kind of like in the rap year book um by shay Sharano. it's like those things make a little bit more sense for me because it's just and bobby made a good point about it as well but those things make more sense for me because it's like everybody knows who was like really good in that year and then it's that person making that like concrete argument instead of someone just writing a blurb like i like blonde because it's good like <laughs> Yeah, I'm of two minds about that because with the list, like the top 200 songs or the top 200 albums of the decade, um, that was the reason that we are talking about this today. There's there's two sides of it. There's the part where the writers are doing a ton of writing about albums that they love, trying to dis- trying in basically one paragraph to get across the reason that this album is so great and you know what trying to get the 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 whole spirit of the album and any hype surrounding it across in one paragraph and a lot of these writers when it comes to a list like this are doing this for a ton of different albums maybe a ton of different genres as well so there's a lot of writing and then the editorial board um and the writers are probably arguing in favor of one album over another one, which would be honestly sometimes more interesting to read, I think would be yeah, the I, arguments for and against the album in opposition to other albums rather than only the self-contained blurbs. Yeah. So, I, I rather, so like I, I've sorry to interrupt you, but like I, yeah, I rather watch somebody do brackets of them determining 64 songs that they think are like, if, Everybody had their own region and came with their own songs, but, like, everybody voted on the other person's region until it got to, like, the final four, and then they had to really cast votes. Right. And, stuff. and people do that in March. You yeah. Know, basically. And it happens, and it's fun. And um, in a different way, uh, Rembert Brown, um, he used to write for Grantland. He's written for basically fucking everywhere. Um, he used to do these brackets for he did one for Chappelle show skits he did one for outcast songs uh he used to do one for who won the year basically and that wasn't voted on by a bunch of people and like when there's these twitter brackets a lot of time they're subject to manipulation by big signal boost but 
but it did have that element of arguing in favor of one thing over another one, and then that moves on, and then you have to argue maybe in favor of something else over that. Yeah. And I, it, there's just, like, I think that is, that's more interesting, um, because I, I just think it's more interesting to argue for the value of something in comparison to another rather than to just talk about something in a vacuum. But the other the other side of the of these lists, um, aside from the sort of creative pursuit of writing the blurbs, compiling the rankings, arguing for what's gonna be where and what's gonna make the list and what isn't, is I mean, the reason that they do it is because they know people are gonna click on it and it'll help them with advertising and it'll be a jumping off point for discussions and a lot of times it they're like psyched that people are going to be mad about it because that means people are going to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, like... So it, there's like the artistic side and then there's the calculating business side. Yeah, like if anything, this was the smartest thing they could have done because not only did they front run most people's end of decade list because there's still time in the decade. Like technically, you know, a new album could come out that could blow us all away. But yeah. they didn't really care about that. That's not really what their objective is. They front round ass us on the list, and then what they did was they expanded it to such a like egregiously stupid number that we were constantly on their page and looking at advertisements and shit. Like yeah. they were playing it like the smartest possible in terms of like getting people on, generating revenue, but in terms of like integrity, in terms of journalism, listicles is never like a big one. I am a big fan of, like, you know, old days of Cracked, and I think Bobby is as well, and I think that's a little bit different. But, like, just a listicle in general, like, not the biggest, you know, journalistic undertaking necessarily, but one where you're just, like, 200 of just, like, why the fuck did we just even, like... There's a couple types of listicles, I think. Yeah, I I think this one is just fucking stupid, though. Like, Cracked... It used to be a lot better than it is now, but I just mean in terms of the quality of the articles. But they they use the listicle format for SEO purposes, and then would just like write an article about what they thought was interesting stuff. Yeah, as opposed it, to a BuzzFeed listicle of like twenty seven times that Emma Watson was all of us. Yeah, like the difference between BuzzFeed and Crack is more so like BuzzFeed is just like. Let me find as many things that I can that fit this genre. So then you could have something with just like arbitrary numbers, like 35 times that Bay was the best. It's like, okay, well, they found 35 fucking stock photos that like are people doing cool things for their like, like significant other. Whereas Cracked was more like, here are six things that you didn't know, but they're very interesting. And let me get into those six things in depth. And they right. have a running theme or genre, but it doesn't necessarily mean one's better than the other. I maybe put it in this order to like build up, but like you know, I, I remember loving even the dumber articles on there. But I could tell that people like took the time to say, you know, here are things that mean something to me. And my favorite ones were always like YouTube videos that nobody's seen, and he would do like a breakdown, like what he wrote was just a breakdown of what the YouTube video was or why he liked it. And he never said, these are the best YouTube videos. He said, 
these are literally videos you've never he said these are the best youtube videos you've literally never heard of and they're just so fucking dumb and now that some of them are like my favorite youtube videos ever yeah i mean in what you're saying as far as you could tell that the person like really thought that the stuff that they're writing was like good and interesting and wanted to inform you about it in that way i think that lists like this buzzfeed list kind of hew closer to the cracked model than like the buzzfeed model and also to be fair to buzzfeed like they obviously have a ton of like stupid vapid content on there but they do seem to have used some of the money that comes from that to build out like a pretty good journalism wing yeah i think they've done a good job i think it's just now they're like a little typecast and it's easy to say buzzfeed when you think of like listicles and like we're using buzzfeed as a stand-in and like the stereotype of buzzfeed and not yeah like i mean what's really the listicle say now it's like ranker which takes out even like any kind of discourse at all it's just literally like upvote downvote and then it put just like whoever has the most upvotes is number one and whoever has the second most upvotes like it's it's kind of like a reddit of just ranking things it's just like that sounds horrible yeah I'm it's, it's not good is. but like every once in a while i end up on that site because i would just be like you know what's the best of like this thing so i can you know i guess you could use it as like a jumping off point yeah to but it's just do your own research on but stuff. again it's like the people who care about like, the ranks of things are the people who are, like, the ones who are making the, the list, too. It's just, like, there's always a bias of just, like, how these lists are made, because... The good thing about lists like this is that when I agree with them, they're good and right, and when I disagree with them, they're stupid and bad. So that's why you don't like the Pitchfork one. It's just because the number one album. What... Well, literally, no, I don't. Literally, if the Pitchfork out, wait, no. I, I don't even it. necessarily dislike the Pitchfork one. I just disagree with things. Like the Lana Del Rey album from this year is like in the top twenty. Like, yeah, that was that album is kind of fucking boring as shit. Yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> but and I did think there was a way too much bias to more recent stuff. I thought that was just weird in general. Like I don't think music has grown so much through the decade that like the stuff that we released in the last like two years are like way better than the stuff we released like eight years ago. But I want to ask you right now, what would be the, if they like could replace Blonde, like Blonde not even on the list, they just replaced Blonde with one album that wasn't on the list for you, would you retweet it? Like, what's the one album that would make you go, this list is great? There's a lot. If it was um, On the Impossible Pass by the Menzingers, (laughs) if it was um, the EP compilation or... Um, the first album by Sheer Mag. I mean, there's tons of stuff that would make me retweet it, even if I wouldn't necessarily agree with it. Like, I, I'm not upset about Blonde being number one. I understand that I'm in the minority of people that really care about music that doesn't really like it. Yeah, and I think Blonde is my favorite album of all time. Like, no lie. Like, just hands down, like, I I didn't expect anything else. Like, that's for me. And I know, Bobby, you even, you know, admit you're in the minority, but, like, Blonde wasn't surprising me. But then there were certain moments, like, that Grimes album that I came think came in at, like, 11. I love Grimes, dude. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is, I, like, I remember that album was just, like, always loved by, like, certain groups. And then I would, every time I tried to listen to it, I just couldn't get into it. The song Oblivion, I think, was in their top five. It might have been number two. 
um, of the decade. And it's like a pretty good, okay, like pop song that has, you know, the the edge of not being a radio hit, but being like a pop song. But they that was their number their number one song the year it came out. Like they love fucking Grimes. It's so weird. I don't. Yeah, and I guess like we've always had this. I mean, it's always been like, what's the Billboard charts? I think the thing for me is like, I'm not gonna remember the year to year list the decade list when i look at it i already know what albums that i already think are important so yeah i could read that list and i could listen to new albums and i i might do that and that would be great that i could find some new things that i enjoy but at the end of the day when you say like these stupid like here's the best albums of the decade you know we're gonna know the best albums of the decade next fucking decade when we're still listening to the albums that came out the decade before like it's just gonna it's just gonna be resolved over time i mean we don't have to even attempt it it's like there's no benefit in predicting it it's not sports like nobody's betting on it like it's just why are we in the moment saying i got the answer now like well there's no reason not to though because like they can all, they can also do it again five years from now if anything changed. Yeah, and but I think I, those articles are more interesting because yeah. those are the ones that are like, hey, let's look at where we got it wrong and why we thought this didn't ha- like hold up. I'm way more interested in like talking about why things aren't what we thought or why things are way better. Like the revisionist history of being like, wow, this album just like more I listen to it over the years and over the years and over the years like. I just can't get over get it out of my head, even though I didn't really consider it an amazing album. Like yeah, like Moby Dick, the book or yeah, like the book, the, the guy, Moby, because he's like a I, dick. I know he's a dick. I mean the book. Oh okay, I haven't read it. I don't read shit. <laughs> I I was supposed to read it in high school, but I didn't read it. But I mean, maybe I was. It, it was like a school. critical and commercial flop when it came out, and the writer was like died penniless, and now it's considered a masterpiece. Like. That's one of the more extreme examples along with, you know, every single painter. But that happens with albums, too. And that's why I think, like, one of the best ideas that should absolutely be implemented. um, I've heard it from Bill Simmons. I've heard it from Jack O'Brien from the Daily Zeitgeist, formerly of Crack.com. Is, like, for the Oscars, like, holding it five years. Five years later. Because, like... I loved the King speech when it came out, but like no one fucking talks about the King speech or cares about it anymore. Yeah. Like the social network is like the, the movie that kind of still has sure people that people still talk about. It still speaks to like something in the culture because like the further we get away from that, like even the worse Facebook gets. Yeah. I, I always think of the hurt locker. I, Still not to this day seen that movie, but I have not met a single person that I think has any strong opinion on that movie at all. You know that when I watched The Hurt Locker, I was, I like we watched like half of it the night that Osama bin Laden got killed. Oh, we like were out celebrating in the streets yeah. and shit, and we came back and we were like, army, army, yeah. army. And we watched The Hurt Locker. It's like, <laughs> but it's just like one of those things. It's like that movie did not fucking hold up to anything, like. But, you know, the movies that, like, didn't Iraq win. War movies all suck ass. Yeah, like, I mean, everybody talks about how, like, 
you know, like, oh, Lee, why didn't Leo win for this? And, like, you know, you talk about, like, Departed and stuff. Like, that's a movie that really stuck around and could have won every award. I know they won a few, probably, but, like, you know. I think it did win Best Picture. Yeah, but, like, just saying, like, you know, that's a year where they get it right. But, like, if you really want to talk about it, Frozen is a movie that should have won Best Picture whatever year it was. And I don't know what the other candidates were, but Frozen fucking took over the world when it came out. Frozen also kicks ass. And it's still relevant there's been like a backlash just like there is with everything about look up frozen not being like that good frozen is fucking great <laughs> yeah i'm gonna see if i can look up the oscars my uh my last year of college me and my roommate um we had four guys living in the house and two of them graduated after the fall semester so we stopped paying for cable and shit because we couldn't afford it without them fair enough and so we just like illegally streamed stuff with an hdmi cable and we probably watched frozen like 25 times yeah and like they won the academy for best animated feature but like that's not really fair to frozen frozen did a lot more than a lot of movies that year which i'm still like researching but i just want to make that point like they have a they have the category but it's not really fair to like pigeonholed frozen because it's more of a kids movie that's animated trying to remember what that was the year that i actually watched more like oscar nominees than any other one because like i said we didn't have cable so we were just streaming movies well i believe it was the 2014 uh oscars yeah i think you're right no big hero 6 2013 oscars the 86 oscars okay so 86 academy awards guess who's hosted that um kevin oh, spacey no harvey weinstein no it's somebody you wanted to talk about today on the podcast ellen it's ellen the generous <laughs> she was the host ellen the generous yeah ellen the very generous um no that's really funny that she hosted so if you want to talk about ellen why do some research feel free because i know you had some thoughts on that right. one well cody's looking into this but if you're listening to this as it's coming out ellen was just recently in the news because on Sunday she was at the Cowboys-Packers game at Jerry World and uh, cameras caught her, you know, pounding around with George W. Bush, former president of the United States. And a lot of people got mad at her for that. And she gave an impassioned and extremely self-righteous and stupid as fuck speech about why her being friends with George W. Bush is actually what we need more of in the world and shit like that. And the the implication is that people that are liberal and mad at her about this have no conservative friends, uh, which is not true. I have a bunch of conservative friends. I grew up in a fairly working class town outside of Philadelphia. Um, I have cousins who are libertarians, as, as I've talked about at length. I used to be one myself. So I... You know, I'm friends with and love people that have extremely differing views from me. Um, but the difference is that none of them got America involved in a war that's going to last decades and cost the lives of thousands of American soldiers and untold hundreds of thousands, if not millions and millions of people in the Middle East. So there's kind of a difference between being friends with a guy that voted for Donald Trump, who you don't ever talk politics with, and being friends with number one war criminal of the 21st century, George W. Bush. And I think that part of the backlash among people that weren't aware that 
all rich people are just kind of friends with each other and their relationships serve to keep themselves comfortable and in the spotlight and in the money uh, was that I think a lot of people, especially the, the more milk toast liberal style people, uh, project their own values onto celebrities, especially people like Ellen, who are kind of ubiquitous and who don't project that much of a view on anything in particular aside from gay rights for her. Um, and then there's, they kind of recoil and are shocked and scandalized when they find out that these people are friends with George W. Bush and they're giving Kevin Hart a platform like she did uh, back before the Oscars to not even apologize for stuff, but like but apologize on behalf of, of him and be like, oh, I forgive you. So all you media people and other gays should forgive him too. Yeah, she's like a weird gatekeeper to yeah. like things. And I really don't think that anybody should have kind of influence to say like, oh, just because like, you know, I'm super good and you think this person's super bad. Like I always had this issue with my father. I talk about this podcast where he would always say like, you know, he's good people because it was the people that would help him. And it's like, that doesn't really make sense because if everybody you are friends with is good people, then there's just nothing but good people in the world. Yeah, it's like, like that's just not true. It's like a, if you're if someone's nice to you but not nice to the waiter, that means they're not a nice person. Yeah, it's like, like if someone's nice to you but not nice to a million Iraqis, they're, yeah, they're like, not a nice person. Yeah, but there's a really good article about this phenomenon by uh, Tom Wyman in the Outline. I think a month and a half or two months ago, called Yas the Literal Queen. Oh, God. Uh, about people on, like, the people that would be considered, like, libs in America. I think they're lib dems in England doing this, like, kind of projection of, of their own values onto the queens, where they'll read into her giving Donald Trump a book by Winston Churchill. Because, like, ah, uh, because Donald Trump can't read. She's throwing epic shade. Or, like, and Democrats do this too with Nancy Pelosi, the thing where she was, looked like she was sarcastically cla- clapping, yeah, and then like, she was like, "No, I was just like legit clapping." Yeah, it's like Nancy's now these, not throwing shade. These these people who like kind of seem like they're blank slates because it's politically expedient for them to seem that way. Like they don't actually agree with or care about you. Yeah. So the, these values that you're projecting onto them are not legit. And part of what we were talking about this before the podcast was gritty. <laughs> yeah. You're a mortal enemy. Like, I, I think Tony's taken that one over as, as producer of the podcast as I try to chill down. But uh, yeah, gritty just really upsets me because, you know, I actually really love mascots. I love puppets. I, you know, I've even written like into things that I've written that like puppets would appear in some manner. And I'd love it, you know, and um, forgetting Sarah Marshall, which Jason Siegel, the man seen very much throughout Philadelphia, like, if you've ever listened to Director Commentary, he was legitimately writing that. Like, that was, like, he wanted to actually, that be a thing, yeah. like a I'm, whole musical of vampires, puppets. I'm pretty sure the thing in the movie where he's like, I didn't realize this was a comedy, I'm pretty sure that actually happened with him and Judd Apatow. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that was, like, the story where, like, he played some for Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow was laughing his ass off, and he's like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> I don't got anything here. But, anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, yeah, so Gritty, I don't like him, not so much because of, like, you know, he's 
his what he looks like as a mascot or what he represents. I don't like him because it's a discourse thing. It's always a discourse thing. Yeah, I don't like him because like it it became this thing where it's like he was the he was like this thing that could so distract from the fact that like he's not really doing anything and he had some really bad social media to start and it hasn't really gotten any better from any sense. They've just gotten maybe a little less like risque, I guess. I the don't things know. that we think are really bad are what everyone else. Is yeah. Like. And less, I, less like online poison than we are. Things is actually good. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just a lazy effort and that's, it's so upsetting that even like, I guess it could, you could say it's a bitterness thing, but like me and Bobby even like talked about this, like, when you look at a mascot, you're you're really looking like an asset here, and they've done a great job at the Flyers because everybody knows that the like big part of them rolling it out and it happened quick. We knew like, like remember when the Sixers were rolling out their mascot, we voted and then it went away, and it was like, well, they're coming back. It was a big rollout. Gritty got rolled out just like out of nowhere. Well, what happened with Gritty is he came out and everyone was like, uh, "What the fuck?" And then everyone, well, everyone in Philly was like, uh, "What the fuck?" And then everyone else. Everywhere else was like, huh, what the fuck? And then people yeah. in Philly were like, uh, fuck you, actually. This is really yeah. good. Yeah, we but love like, it. But like people who like stand for Gritty, it's exactly, it's not exactly the same, but it's like not that far of like a slippery slope to be standing for flow from Progressive. Yeah, like it's just, he doesn't he's, really he's, do anything. He's an advertisement. And yeah, he was he's he was still brought in, for... so you would still go to Flyers games and yeah. buy Flyers items, even though the team was not. He's an advertisement. People wanted to see. They could tell that people were upset with the team, and they found a way to like get people to stay engaged with the team. The problem is that I think I, as a dumbass and a bad social media person, could have ran the account better, like you know, and just done like PR better. From my like one fucking semester of you doing PR for the Delaware 87ers like Their PR, a decade ago. The PR they get is pretty good. I think we just find it grading. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, maybe I'm but, just... A, I, I'm, I've actually been willing to say it. I'm probably just a dick with Gritty and I'm like letting people like him. But just the idea that like Tony's being an asshole and it's ruining people's day. That's what I was like. Yeah, I, I tweeted. I was like, if somebody's saying a mascot sucks, ruins your day, I'm not letting you around my children. Because that really shouldn't be a thing that, like, you let happen. But, like, I, but at the same time, somebody said the fanatic sucks. I might get, like, a little worked up. If anybody said Franklin sucks, I'd be like, yeah, what's your point? Like, you know? Yeah. But the reason that I started talking about this in relation to Ellen uh, was that what Gritty is, is if you boil it down, is he's an advertisement for a multi-hundred million dollar company uh, a company that is not well run really no not at all uh pretty poorly run actually and so and people have decided that they're gonna project you know like leftist values like gritty's the dsa yeah pepe or something like that uh, yeah it just... and it's just and there, there's two ways to look at it i look at it the cynical way where that is stupid and annoying and if you like him you're a lame normie which like i said is extremely cynical and it's probably fine to most people and it should be and like yeah the other way to look at it is that you're taking this thing from this callous corporation and claiming it as your own yeah and they're you know 
they're trying to get you to engage with Gritty because they realize that they're not, you have no confidence in them on the ice. Like, it, they brought that in as a, like, oh shit, like, we need to distract people. And it's just, it's, it's really upsetting to me just to be like, yeah, this is a fun thing, but you're kind of like even sapping the fun out of it the way you go about it. But I guess I don't, I don't really care that much. I just think it's funny to make fun of Gritty. Yeah, and say I, that he's I'm a, caring less now. Say it's, that he's a racist proud boy or something. Yeah, it, it's just easier to do that. Um, you know, I I really am at the point like if you like Gritty, like that's fine because I I like the design. I like what they were trying to do. I just felt like they had some very early missteps with um, Barstool. Obviously, it was the thing that upset me because I get really upset at Barstool for you know reasons we've already probably touched on a billion times, um, whether they're warranted or not. Um, and then like it just like really feeling like you know having a golden opportunity, like something that really works, and just kind of keeping it very safe and cookie cutter. And then when you do say something, like, really weird, it just feels so, like, put together in a way that wasn't really... It's funny how we were talking about listicles and, like, how they put them together in such, like, thought. I just felt like everything with Gritty was, like, we need to put a thing together. And then it would just be, like, let's have Gritty hold that thing. And then there'd just be a mishmash. And they recently put out a playlist of Gritty. And the music doesn't follow any genre. It's literally... It's literally a listicle of, hey, do you know some good, like, party songs? Or, like, songs people like to sing? Because, you know, there's Kanye on there, but there's also Country Roads. Like, what the fuck is that playlist? Uh, I feel like they probably, like, went to a bar in Delco and just, like, listened to the yeah, g like, for two hours. And or they just, just asked, them, like, whatever on. kid was in college, like, what do you have on your phone? And they went to another intern, like, what do you have on your phone? And like, alright, those are the two people that are gonna fill this playlist. Alright, well... But, but we, I wanna go back... Yeah, we weren't we weren't trying to complain about Gritty, we were just trying to make, yeah. a, make a point of the way that people um, project their own opinions about things onto entities that have nothing to do with them and the folly of it. Yeah. So I want to go back to the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. we, we were talking about that. We're really doing a good job of um, closing the parentheses that we opened. I'm really proud of us right now. Yeah, um, you got on your phone and let me talk for a while, and then you got distracted and started talking about what I was talking about. I didn't get distracted. I just wanted to get, you know join in that discourse. Um, but I did want to get back to this because I want to talk about all the movies that were nominated. Then I'm going to tell you the one that won, and we're gonna. This is the same year Frozen came out. And let's talk about some of those movies versus Frozen and versus just, like, who even fucking cares about these movies anymore at all. Okay. Let's so, go. starting from the top, American Hustle. I liked I, American Hustle. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was an Oscar movie. Amy Adams and Christian Bale were really good in it. Yeah. I, I think there was some things that they should have won Academy Awards for. I don't think the movie as a whole was Academy worthy. I don't remember... I, I remember the I just I just remember the me. movie that won this year. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um number two, Captain Phillips. Uh that's I'm the captain now. Yeah. Uh that movie was fine. Yeah, I have no problem with that being on. It's I'm not, never gonna watch it again. Yeah, it's not gonna stand the test of time, but I'm fine with it being in the um Dallas Buyers Club, I think that was I haven't seen it, but I think that was legitimately like an impact 
full movie and kind of restarted Matthew McConaughey's career. So, Unfortunately, it also restarted Jared Leto's career. So yeah, who can say if it's good or not? But it it has that impact. Like even you know even like the way time sometimes picks like the person of the year is not always a good person. You know they picked Hitler once, and then they picked Trump until it wasn't Trump. Um, Gravity. No, uh, I didn't see it. Don't care. Well, Dallas Buyers Club, I do want to say, is one of the movies where it's, like, capital I important. Okay. So, like, it probably got a little more uh, acclaim than it should have for that reason, but Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto were good in it. Yeah. So. But Gravity, who fucking cares? (laughs) Well, that was one one of the movies that started or was a part of the run where Mexican directors have won, like, four of the last five Best Pictures. Well, this didn't win Best Picture. You know, I maybe no kicked, Best Director. Maybe it kicked off also the run of um, you know, space movies a little bit. But Gravity as a whole, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, um, I'm just gonna bang my head against the wall and it'll be fine anyway. Yeah. Quaron won Best Director. I'm pretty sure because it was him, Inari two for Birdman. Um, I think Quaron again for Revenant and um. Benicio del Toro or Guillermo del Toro for a shape of water, which is just impressive because it's not a country. So that you think he of. he did when shape of water was not this year. You're an idiot. Um, I'm not. I wasn't saying that it was. Okay, whatever. Anyway, um, but you're right. He did win best director. Good job on you. Um, next movie, her. Pretty good. I need to see this one still. I think this one also has a very interesting like cultural impact of like you know it, it plays on ai and stuff like that it's the one um, where the joker fucks siri great yeah i definitely think i care more about the joker fucking siri than frozen um but yeah like against a lot of these movies frozen i still think beats like everything maybe other than dallas buyers club at the time but like i think frozen's still more impactful than all of these movies i haven't seen frozen i'm very much just like <laughs> Going off the wave of just what I really feel like people care about. I definitely enjoy Frozen more than any of those movies. I've seen the next movie, and I can tell you it was not... um, If it's the movie, I think it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't think this should have been on the nominees. Nebraska. Oh, that's where um, Will Forte... Yeah, Will Forte's father thinks he won... Like, who may have dementia thinks he won the lottery... Uh, I definitely didn't see that, nor will I. It it had some, like, emotional tie to it, but I just didn't... F- I didn't feel like... It felt very like this is getting nominations because it's black and white and it's artsy and it's playing on, like, things that are uncomfortable, but it didn't really, like... This is such a reminder of how few good movies there are. <laughs> yeah, this fucking make depressed. Jesus Christ. Um, Philomena. That was a Spanish movie, right? No, I think that was animated. Steve Coogan is on here. Um, and he is, you know, British. So I think that was the... No, Philomena was him in Judy Dench. Oh, I have no idea what yeah, I Yeah, what the time. fuck is... Tells a true story. Philomena Lee, 50 years search for her forcibly adopt son and six months ever to help her find him. Oh, that sounds actually like a good movie. We should probably watch that. Um, but it also looks just like kind of fucking lame, so never mind. Um, yeah, that's like another movie that like probably emotional heart tug at the time. Nobody cares anymore. God, way too many movies get 
this was like a backlash to Dark Knight not getting nominated, right? They opened up to way more movies. Yeah, it's like a shit ton. This is so fucking. Um, weird. and then the end of the non-winners, Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie. I think that's that's one that's just gonna last time because like people want to watch it for what it is. I mean, it's not like it's like a it's not a god like father. It's not Goodfellas, but it's like it's a movie that's like fun that people want to yeah. watch and like has impact and and I mean for the foreseeable future, the idea of someone charismatic being greedy and taking advantage of people and fucking them over to their own ends. It's probably just going to be relevant forever. Yeah. And I would say Frozen beats all of these. Uh, What's your... I don't... I would say Wolf of All Street's probably better than Frozen. Okay, you got one out of all the ones I said. I'm not a film guy, obviously. Yeah, no, neither am I. I haven't seen Frozen or most of these movies, but I'm just saying in terms of, like, cultural impact, if you want to say we're going to have it five years later, like, a lot of these movies... I don't think Gravity would have actually been on for best film. I think maybe, I bet it would have been. I think it would still would have been in for like a lot of like the directorial stuff, but I think it would have suffered by the movies that went further, like Interstellar and stuff like that, um, than just being in space. They wanted the you know. Either way, you said you think you know the movie that won Best Picture. What won Best Picture? I think it was Argo. Yeah, that's not even this year. Okay. What is it then? Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, that has to win Best Picture. That's another capital I important movie. Yeah, that one I understand. Other than that, I think Frozen should have at least been on the list, and I think it was pigeonholed by the fact that it was an animated movie and a musical, and a musical, and they didn't want to swap it into a different genre. Just like um, what was it? Um, the one with Matt Damon on. Um, Mars. The Martian. The Martian. That was the Golden Globe. Yeah. What it was it comedy slash comedy. musical. Yeah. <laughs> what part of the movie is comedy or musical? Like nobody could figure it out. I think they even referenced it in their own speech, like, I don't really know what the hell we want for, but um yeah, I just don't like listicles like when they're just such a definitive like here's the best of this time frame and I'm like no, because everybody is subjective, sure, but at the same time, like, there's albums that make comebacks because they use one song in a TV show that, you know, people like, and then that album's relevant again. Yeah, that's what happened with Bohemian Rhapsody in the 90s. They put it in Wayne's World, and it, like, got back on the Billboard charts yeah. for a decent stretch of time. There was another one that was, um... Don't Stop Believing yeah, after it was a Family Guy. I don't think it was even um, Family Guy. There was another Layla and um, Goodfellas. I think there was another not Don't Stop Believing that was like it was played on some like tween kind of show, and that would like a bunch of tweens found it from that. Hmm. Yeah, it was like a CW ish show that like you never would have, and then that got a bunch of people into fucking you know like wanted to listen to Steve Perry, you know, like huh. fucking that's a weird, the tweens want to go find journey songs. The, the reason it became relevant in like my grade school was definitely from family guy. Yeah. And I, I get that. Like there's some people that are just like, you know, it's what you watch it and first expose it to, but it exposes different people when you pick like a, like, you know, a throwback song, like every once in a while, the, the outfield's um, "Your Love" just Great gets song. popular again because it gets used as like one of those cliche, you know. 
There's those cliche go-to songs. It's, um, you know... Um, Take Me Home Tonight Into Your Love is a fucking yeah. bang and um, two punch. Mr. Good... Hey, or... Hey there, Mr. Blue. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky by Yeah, Yola. Mr. Blue Sky. Yellow always comes back around. Um, if there's a prom scene, there will be... They will play Time After Time and um, Forever Young. Those two songs will always be played in every prom scene. Um, regardless of the decade. I There's... just remembered reading a Rolling Stone review of, um, oh God, what was the Jay-Z album that had Forever Young on it? Young Forever? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Because you know, I don't like Jay-Z that much, so I'm probably blocking it. It was after, uh, I think it was Carter 3. Yeah. Not Carter 3. No. Blueprint 3. Yeah, I was going to say it was a Blueprint. I, one, I but... think I, I read a review. It was probably, I think it was in Rolling Stone that implied that he should have used Forever Young by Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Instead, they're like, that would have been a much bolder choice. Yeah. Like, that would have been a terrible song. <laughs> this is why you're a critic. Yeah. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, that would be a bold choice that nobody could do anything with. Won't like... you stay forever <laughs> yeah. young? And they're just like, Jay-Z's gonna rap next? Yeah. No, don't, don't do that. That's, um, the worst I, that's really one of the worst ideas I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that at all. And it's just like, it's it's just one of those things that's like, we were just talking and we rifled off just like songs that are cliche that keep staying around that we like or just are commercially like popular. Like, we don't need the list. Like, they find a way. The market is efficient enough on these songs getting popular and going out of popularity again it's just it's cyclical whatever why are you telling me right now at the end of this decade hear what i think the top 200 albums are and i'm just like i don't yeah need and it. like i said i i don't want to completely bash this stuff i, I know that the writers do put a lot of they put a, a, a lot of work into time it. and effort into it and um they, they are i do think off. they're good at a good jumping off point for stuff. I sure. mean, I've, I've definitely talked more about music that I wouldn't have talked about with people on my timeline, um, over the last couple of days than I had before. Like, yeah. and it, it even brought up a different discussion where, um, Stephen Hyden said, what are the biggest, uh, what was the phrase? Like cultural Weird. holes, basically that, oh. like albums that got, really good reviews when they came out and made absolutely no impact his his first um his first response that he gave was the 2020 experience by justin timberlake yeah that song just didn't or that album just didn't do anything i i would say i love the song mirrors that was huge among me and my friends in college. Yeah, Mirrors is really good. But every but... every song was like six minutes long. Yeah. The, the first song was Suit and Tie with Jay-Z, which is fucking terrible. And Pitchfork gave it like an 8.4. And my first answer was Compton by Dr. Dre, um, which was not... It came out in 2015. It was not Detox. Um, but Pitchfork gave it an 8.8. .8, and I remember one particular music critic who I don't like being really excited on Twitter about how good it was. And then literally since two days after it came out, I haven't heard anyone mention it. I would say... Um, and then I, I checked Dirty Sprite 2 by Future, which came out uh, three yeah, months before and got a slightly lower score. And it, it, it seems crazy that they came out in the same year. Yeah, and I think there's like some things I have bias against, but time has shown that... like. 
they didn't stand the test of time. Like I, when it came out, I hated um, Green Day's American Idiot or whatever album that was on. It might have been there. Was it called American Idiot? I yeah, guess. that was the one that became the Broadway musical. And yeah, I just felt like there was no redeeming qualities to it, and it like it had its run. Like people care, but like today, I what did it influence, and was any of that good? Like I don't think I know. I love that true. album when it came out, and that but, album like, also is what inspired me to go listen to Dookie for the first time, which is a classic. I guess in that sense of just, like, if it got you to go to other stuff from them, sure. But just in terms of what it did in a vacuum, I don't know if it really was, like, anybody wants to go study American Idiot. Yeah, maybe. It's extremely, like, of its time, so it's useful in that sense. It's, like, yeah. protest music, but didn't make any difference. Like, it was 2003, we still went into Iraq, and they're still there. Like, Yeah, I guess what you're saying, because, like... You know, in a vacuum, People I'm that not were... going to listen to the Britney Spears album, but that first Britney Spears album was a change yeah. for everybody. Like, that was huge. Yeah. It just one music video changed the world. Like, you know, that was it. It didn't matter what else was on the album. It, that's what it was. And then Britney went on to actually release albums that people consider to be full, complete, good albums. And it's that's weird to me because it's like, you know, you're an adolescent kid. You don't even know what, like sexes and Britney came out as like the first like really kind of weird uh like teenage fantasy thing like she was still 16 at the time I'm they they, sure. they put her in like a very sexualized yeah thank co- god. Uh, rolling stone cover when she was 17 yeah thank god i was younger because i just i have to because i was every... allowed to jerk off to that i didn't say I that was not I, 18 yet yeah i didn't realize that because you know i'm celibate um anyway the point is though it's just like it's not always about the content i guess it is about like what the you know the the lasting impact is and to that point i think when you talk about lasting impact why are you making a list like lasting impact should be a lasting impact not something somebody has to write down and then tell you this had a lasting impact like i do i do appreciate sometimes somebody explains to me like hey, this band was actually, you know, like, heavily influenced by this band, and I might not know that. You know, I might not realize that an album that came out actually inspired a lot, even if I didn't like it. But at the same time, like, just in pure list form, when you're saying this is, you know, album 68 versus album 67, why? Well, because this one's above this one. Like, that's the only argument. It's just a pushing and pulling of up and down. Yeah, it's... the. it's just weird to take something as objective and personal or as subjective and personal as music and um, put it into this hyper specific list where, like you said, they're they're qualitatively saying that 67 is better than 68. Yeah. As though like, do you do you think there's any person out there that read the pitchfork list and was like, holy fuck, this is this would be exactly my list. I I think they there's too many combinations with 200, but there's got to be at least one person who's like close enough. Like, yeah, like oh, I wouldn't go through the effort to replace these. This is good enough for me. I'll take this as my li- my album. There's yeah. there's I, gonna be like a fucking official Spotify with like the whole fucking 
like album list on it probably too that people are just going to go through if there's actually a, a spotify playlist that has the top 200 songs on it i should actually throw that on it's shuffle top, and see what i it's like not top 200 songs top 200 albums they had both i didn't read the songs one it didn't have be good on there so it was what invalid. was the number one song uh i mean i mean up. i'm fine with the album list because blonde was number one and it should be so that's a good list um let me i'll uh, look i'll go listen to the song one eventually i just want to know what the number one song was i feel like that's important well i, I know I'm that i'm pretty sure it's the number one song i'm while. pretty sure oblivion was number two by grimes like I i'm said. gonna say it was sex is on fire by kings leon um i feel like you're wrong there but i'm i don't have well where does sex yet. is on fire rank on the list that might have came out before 2010 that might be it. It did. It came out in 2008. So that was number one on the last list, decade list. Dating. Yes. Uh, this list is so fucking long that I have to wait for the entire thing to load and scroll down. To I'm bottom. just watching you just scroll. I'm having a great time. The podcast is getting real visual right now. It's just Bobby scrolling. Look at that thumb go. Oh, things you can do with that thumb, baby. The one. Where are you? I don't know. <laughs> you don't. You're in the shadow realm. Bobby's in the shadow realm. All right. Well, while I'm waiting for this to load, do you want to do plugs? Let's do some plugs. What am I plugging this week? Um, plugging my Twitch. I unfortunately did not get to go to uh, do much this week, but I'm going to pick it up for sure coming up. Um, oh, okay. Otherwise, I got nothing else really going on. It looks like you found another one song. Yeah. Is it Kendrick? It's, it's, a number. it's another capital I important uh, yeah. piece of work. It's all right. By Kendrick. I do love that song. I don't think that's number one. I wish that I liked that. That's the song that I wish that I liked. I actually really like that song. it's socially important, but I actually don't like it that no, much. No, I actually really like that song. It's not number one. They have Dancing on My Own by Robin at number three, which I completely agree Robin. with. Are you serious? Yeah. That's that's a shame. <laughs> I'll have to play that for you. she on Eurovision? What the fuck is Robin? Um, She was a pop star. I think she was like kind of big in the late nineties. And then she came back on like, um, a pre of Robin. A, she, she came back as like a pre EDM, like Euro pop, like kind of dancing. So I was right. She was Eurovision ish. Not so Eurovision. Well, she's, but I'm, now. I'm not completely off base when I was thinking Eurovision, when I was no. thinking Robin, because she came back as Dan- a Euro EDM. Dancing on my own is one of the best songs of all time. Great. I all don't right. want to listen to it. Um, so I, I should, mean, have... I would listen to the 200 songs. All right. I hope that we weren't complaining too much in that episode and we were actually making good points. Uh, my plug is that I have to go home after we record this and try to write a blog uh, for the fifth quarter uh, regarding the Sixers hype measurements that came out and how other teams lied and the Sixers t- told the truth and how it changes our understanding of the truth of what we see on the basketball court but doesn't actually change anything on the basketball court so it's an article about how it doesn't matter anyway you seem like you just came to that conclusion no what do you (laughs) what (laughs) tweeted hoodie allen to come on neurotica come on neurotica hoodie allen that's what i'm plugging that i'm talking to hoodie what else is i plugging uh Last week, I plugged that I had two tickets for sale. Somebody bought them. I got $17 in the pocket, and then everybody went to the game anyway, so I guess I'll use my $17 to go fuck myself. Anyway, 
Um, I don't have really anything else going on. Neurotica's just kind of my thing right now until I get the Twitch back up. All right, listen to Neurotica. Oh, um, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, go to the Harmony Woods record release show. Yes, friend uh, of the pod. Starts uh, at 8 at Everybody Hits on um, 5th and Gerard, I think. Friend of the pod, Sophia Verbilla and her band Harmony Woods, um, celebrating the release of her outstanding album, Make, make yourself, yourself at home. home. Uh, tickets are five bucks. So yeah, and if you can't make it, listen to the album on Spotify. I highly recommend. Um, that is not even a biased opinion. I loved it. It's Keep awesome. Listening to it and I, listen to our podcast episode with her. Yeah, of course you did. I, that's the one that I'm telling ask, people to listen to it. That's yeah. the one that when people ask me for an episode, I give them that one too. So we're we're aligned. Okay. So we're big fans. So. Yes, follow Neurotica the Pod on Twitter. We will post updates of episodes. And if you happen to see this episode and you want to get out and you happen to listen to the day that it was put out and you want to go to a concert, everybody hits 8 p.m. Harmony Woods. I think they're featuring some other bands. Sam Heck is the only one I can remember. And then there was somebody else. We'll link to tickets uh, on the Neurotica feed. And if you have anyone that you would like to hear from on the show um let us know because yeah for sure we're always open we're always, to suggestions. we're always looking for new perspectives yeah we want to make sure that it's not just me and him playing volleyball all the time we want to have some guests so if you have anybody or if you want to yourself just dm us anytime either individually or at the podcast account whatever you're comfortable with all right that's it all right thanks everybody that was bye. neurotica have a good one we're listening bye